amen me. Amen. All right. You can grab a seat if you will. And uh, happy Easter, y'all. All right. I didn't hear y'all, man. Happy Easter, y'all. Everybody throw me a y'all in there, right? Happy Easter, y'all. All right. There you go. Awesome, man. What a beautiful morning. Hey, I'm going to let you know that after the service, when we finish, uh, we do have some baptisms. And uh, if God has brought you here and you've given your life to Christ, maybe you give your life to Christ here in this service. And, uh, and, and, and God wants you to get baptized. Uh, I want to invite you to be able to do that. But let me share with you what baptism is super quick. When you stand in the water um, and, and we're in there with you, what does that look like, y'all? Looks like a cross, right? And uh, when we take you under the water, that represents Jesus' death and his burial. And, uh, and so if that was it, uh, baptism would be a one-hit wonder, man. You'd be under, you'd get buried, and that was it. There'd be no reason to come up. But when I bring you up, that represents what? His what? His resurrection. So it, it, you're telling everybody when you get baptized that I do believe in, that Jesus died, and he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. But it's your opportunity actually to preach without actually saying any words. And what you're testifying to is this. You're testifying that I, as best as I know, have died to being the boss of my own life. How many of y'all have ever died to being the boss of your life? Said, I'm done. I don't want to be the boss no more. Anybody said that? Yeah, man. It's the greatest freedom there is. And if God gives you the freedom to say, I don't want to be the boss no more. Man, I got a bunch of people testifying that it's a great thing, but I don't, I'm dying to my old life where I'm the boss and I don't want to be the boss anymore, but I'm rising to live a new life where Jesus is my new boss and I don't have to do what he wants me to do in my own power. He has resurrection power. This resurrection, man, isn't just about Easter, man. It's every Sunday. It's every single day. So again, if that is true of you, that you have died and said to the best of my ability, I don't want to be the boss no more. Anybody say that? Let me see your hand. I don't want to be the boss no more. All right? I want to, but I've risen to live a new life with his power. That's what you're testifying. And if that's true and you've not been baptized, you've not testified that with baptism, it is one of the ordinances that as a New Testament church we're commanded to do. We, have, uh, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. That, again, represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We talk about it a lot. We look out. We look in. And anyways, if you came, you would, you would know what we do on that. But it is. It, it, it's about the resurrection of Christ. But baptism is also. So it's something that you're called to do once you've become born again, once you've given your life to Christ. And uh, it's all because he is risen. So I want to invite you that if you you know, are thinking during the service, man, I'd like to get baptized. I need to get baptized. Man, don't let the devil put anything in your way. Well, dude, I didn't bring pants that dry quick, or I didn't do that. You know what, man? God works all that stuff out. It's all good, I promise. All right. And uh, I want you all on the count of three to turn around with your cameras. One, two, three. We got the sun peeking up over the clouds right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and it might get more impressive than that, but that's the impress. That's more impressive than your sunrise that you did, right? <laughs> Amen. All right, it's popping up. Good. Hey, so I, I want to share something with you guys this morning. Um, uh, yesterday, man, I I've been studying and I've been reading about you know the resurrection, uh, all of what happened after Jesus died and was buried. Been looking at that, man. I've been praying and. Uh, 
Uh, then we went and did Easter eggs yesterday. Did any of y'all invest in Easter eggs yesterday? Come on, you're not a pagan, you're not a did. How many of y'all invested in Easter eggs, right? And it was an investment this year, was it not? And uh, so I invested in Easter eggs. And, and you know what? When I was uh, done, man, I had some running around to doing stuff. And uh, I went and I looked at my Easter eggs. These are my Easter eggs. And, uh, and for some reason, my wife only gave me 17 to die. I don't know. There's a hole right in the middle here. Not sure what all that represents, if anything. But for an OCD person like me, dude, how many of y'all are OCD and this hole in the middle bothers you? All right, yeah, I, I, so I'm not alone. In this. All right, but anyways, I died all these Easter eggs yesterday. Oh my goodness, I was so stoked. I, I've never died them kind of quite like this. I had the grandkids, everybody, and I just started looking at them like modern day idol worship. I was like, dude, look at these Easter eggs. And then, not the one that's missing, I took one out of somebody else's and I ate it because it was cracked, and oh, it tasted so good. So I was like, oh, these Easter eggs are beautiful. And these Easter eggs taste so awesome. And I started eating some more Easter eggs and some more Easter eggs. And then I had to take off and drive. And I said, you know what? I think I am going to invest in Easter eggs. I just got eight, 17 of them here. But there's more Easter eggs in this world. And if that Easter egg can bring me that kind of happiness, dude, I got to get some more Easter eggs. Y'all with me, man? Man, you got you find something that makes you happy, makes you satisfied. You got to go get some more, right? So you know what I did? I, I emptied our bank account. I'm buying Easter eggs. A few of them we still have to die. Is my wife? She's probably up in the kitchen, so don't tell her that. All right? Yeah. Let her find out when she kind of gets the bank statement or when some bounce, checks bounce. But anyways, I, I emptied the bank account, dude. I bought every Easter egg I could find. Undyed, died. I started calling people. Hey, dude, y'all got Easter eggs? I will give you 10 bucks a piece for each egg that you have. You see how I emptied the bank account? Because some of them I went all the way up to 25 bucks an egg. How many of y'all got some Easter eggs at home you'd sell me for 25 bucks an egg? Anybody here? Some of y'all, I see some hands. Yeah, I see some of y'all. And then that wasn't good enough. I had to go on Facebook Marketplace. Y'all been there? None of y'all answered my ad, did you? Or maybe you're here today because that's why you're here is because you're going to sell me your Easter eggs. On there, dude, I was offering 25 bucks an egg, and, 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 and I found one dude. Oh, my goodness. He's going to trade me. He's got a big family. Later today, he's going to trade me all of his Easter eggs after they're done using them. Oh, wait a minute. After they're done using them, it's still good. And I'm going to give him my truck. Is that a good deal, y'all? Why? So it's not a good deal that I took a loan out on my house to buy some more Easter eggs? How many of y'all think that's a horrible deal? Why, why is it a horrible deal to invest everything you have into Easter eggs? Anybody have an idea? Why is that a horrible deal? Tell me. Hey, Tom, why is that? Oh, Ethan, tell me why is that a horrible deal? Uh, when I go to heaven, do you think, do you think I'm going to go? What's going to happen before I go to heaven, unless I go to heaven today? What's going to happen to these... They're going to spoil. They're going to rot. Dude, how foolish to spend all my money. How foolish to trade my beautiful truck that God provided for, for Easter eggs. How foolish to empty the bank account to buy Easter eggs that are going to spoil in a week or two. I mean, if I bought all the Easter eggs in this Tri-County area, there's no way I could eat them all before they start spoiling and it would be a waste of money. And, and, and so you see where I'm going with this, right? 
How many of y'all invest in stuff that's not going to matter in eternity? And again, I'm not saying don't buy things. I'm just saying whatever you invest in, we have time that we invest. We have talents that we invest and we have treasure that we invest. And whatever it is that we invest in, if it is time, talent, and treasure, it needs to be used for God's kingdom because there's eternal rewards. We need to not live for Easter eggs, y'all. We need to live for eternity. Amen? So what's got to happen is we got to start thinking eternally. we got to start thinking with all of our time, with all of our talent, with all of our treasure. How is this going to matter in eternity? And God, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, has given us the ability to do that. Anything in this world, man, it's perishable. Man, I can't tell you, we just cleaned out. My wife's mom passed away. Sad situation. She lived a full life. Man, we cleaned out her house in Nebraska, cleaned out her barn, two lifetimes worth of stuff and all of that. Man, how many things we would have loved to have had, but those things got spoiled. She canned things. Y'all know about canning and preserving? Dude, we found things she had canned back in, or somebody canned back in 1916. (laughs) We had things that were canned in 1940. I tried them, man, and they didn't agree with me very well. But (laughs) y'all know me, I like food, right? But dude, I'm just saying, man, so many things in life just perish, but we invest in them. But I will tell you this about my mother-in-law. Almost everything she canned, her pickle recipe, we found a recipe and it literally took her almost two weeks to make pickles. And you know what she did with all those pickles? Terry, what do you think she did with all those pickles? Think she A, ate them, or B, gave them away to everybody? She gave them away, a labor of love. So you see what I'm saying, man? Whatever investments you make in life, those investments need to be for the kingdom, to show the love of God, to show people who God is. Otherwise, we're just investing in Easter eggs. And Ethan, would that be a very smart investment? What if you were able to get your parents' checkbook and credit card and go buy all the eggs you could find? Would your parents be happy? No, they would not be happy. No more happy than if you went to the surf shop and just unloaded all of, well, maybe your dad would be happy, but all right. So the point today, I do have a point and I have a passage in scripture that I want to share with you because if there was anybody that really knew about not investing in Easter eggs, but investing in eternity, it was, it was the apostle Peter. Peter, Peter learned, man. I kept saying, by the way, God gave me this Easter egg thing about two o'clock this morning. How many of y'all were praying for me to get something this morning? <laughs> Thank you. I did not sleep, but that's okay. <laughs> There'll be nap time later. I'm grateful for those prayers. But I kept saying, God, why? Why did I study all of this and all of this? And and all of it was to be able to reminisce about Peter. Man, the apostle Peter, when uh, uh, everything was going down in the Lord, you know, the Lord's Supper on Thursday night, they're all talking and 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 Jesus trying to tell them, look, man, I'm going to be I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to rise again. None of them heard anything after he said he was going to be killed. He said, people are going to come. And Peter's like, no, nobody's going to do anything. He's like, Peter, shut up. You're going to deny me three times. Oh, I will never deny you, Lord. I'm never going to go against you. I will go to death for you. And, and that'll never happen. And he said, look, man, Satan said he wants to sift you. Satan wants to test your faith because your, your faith is not as big as you think it is. And by the way, when God tests your faith, that's what he's doing. He's showing you your faith is not as big as you think it is. 
And, and it's only through the test that you realize how much further you have to go through his power and his strength. And he said, Peter, I'll tell you what, instead of fighting, instead of whooping out a sword and cutting off some dude's ear and all that stuff, you know what you should probably do, Peter? You should pray. So, so as they went up into the, into the Garden of Gethsemane to go pray where they prayed and, and, and he invited, had a personal prayer meeting with Christ. What was Peter doing, y'all? Yeah, sleeping, man. He should have been praying. He's out there sleeping because Peter had it all handled in his own strength. No problem. All of a sudden, they come to arrest Jesus. What does Peter do? Whips out a sword, cuts off the dude's ear. Immediately, Jesus puts the guy's ear on. Probably most people didn't even know that miracle even happened. And Peter, well, when they arrested Jesus, Jesus said, hey, guys, he's talking to the guard. Leave all my disciples alone. And he told his disciples, get out of Dodge. But guess what Peter and John did? Peter and John followed, right? And John was the one who had the credentials to get him in. And Peter's following. Peter wasn't even supposed to be there. Man, when you're walking with God and you're investing in God and seeing life from God's perspective, you find yourself avoiding a lot of places that you shouldn't be. Even though it makes sense, you shouldn't be there. But there was Peter, and Peter denied him once. Peter denied him a second time. Peter denied him a third time. When Peter denied him the third time, he looked over at the corner of his eye, and there was Jesus Christ, beaten beyond recognition, walking by. And the, the gospel says he looked at Peter, and Peter looked at him. And it wasn't a look of disgust, like I told you. It was like, Peter, if you're going to succeed, you've got to do things my way. You got to live for eternity. Quit investing in these temporal things. These temporal things, like you guys are still counting on Israel being in power and me getting rid of Rome. I got another plan. Y'all don't even hear my plan because your plan's so thick in your head. You guys, Peter, if you're going to succeed, you got to listen to me. You got to be where I want you to be, do what I want you to do, when I want you to do it, Peter. That's what's got to go down. And Peter, man, do you think he, re he remembered? Jesus' look into his eyes at that moment when he denied him the third time. Peter finally got out of Dodge. Then all of a sudden, man, on Sunday, uh, ladies came back. And they're like, dude, they're, they, they, Mary Magdalene was the first one. Mary Magdalene comes running back and found John and Peter. And John outran Peter, man. And, uh, but Peter busted right by him to go in the tomb. And they had told him, man, we saw an angel. Angel told us that he's risen. He's alive. He's not there anymore. And Peter and them walked in and they saw all their credential, everything the lady said. There is, he's not there. But we didn't see him, so we don't believe he rose. Still didn't believe he rose. So guess what Jesus did for Peter? He gave him a personal appearance on Sunday, later in the day, on the first day. and said, Peter, here I am. I'm alive. I'm risen. I want you to quit investing in Easter eggs and invest in eternity. Invest in things that are going to matter forever. And then lo and behold, later Jesus had an encounter with Peter out on, the, out on the lake shore eating fish and gave him the command, said, I'm restoring you back into fellowship, gave him the command, and Peter got to preach at Pentecost and led thousands of people to Jesus Christ. Amen? So man, Peter... When you read 1 Peter and 2 Peter, when you're reading those stories, understand Peter's background and what Peter went through, how heartbreaking, how victorious, all of the things he went through. And so I want to share with you the very beginning of 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. We're going to look at verse 3 through 7. Three super quick little points here in this. 
But in chapter 3, or chapter 1, verse 3, uh, Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, let me read it the way it's written. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know why I read it that way? Because there's an exclamation point at the end. Peter's pretty stoked about God and his mercy. In fact, that's the next thing. He said, according to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So you think Peter believed in Jesus Christ now, uh, rising from the dead? You think he believed in the resurrection? Yeah, and that's what he preached. Christianity has nothing if there is no resurrection. We're not, we're not some cult, we're not some religion that's got a book and got some, you know, some writings and some different people that talked about the writings and we have to do it in our own power. In fact, if you are doing Christianity in your own power without resurrection power, you ain't doing Christianity. You can't follow what God wants you to do on a moment-by-moment, day-to-day basis in your own flesh. It's got to be done in his resurrection power. That's the difference. We have a living God and our salvation is done. We're not serving him to be saved. We're serving him because we've already been saved. Somebody asked D.L. Moody one time, tell me the difference between, between Christianity and every other religion. He said two letters. I said, what? He said two letters. He said every religion in the world spells salvation. D.O. You have to do something. You have to do this. You have to do that. Maybe it's one time. Maybe it's a bunch of times. But he said Christianity, salvation is spelled D-O-N-E. Done. And that's what Christ said on the cross when he said it is finished. Amen? So he said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. Hey, who knows what mercy is, y'all? What's mercy? Let me hear you. It's, it's, not, getting, it's not getting what you deserve. And, and so how many of y'all ever said, I just want what I deserve? Scott, you ever said that erroneously, right? And then you thought about it. Erica's like, oh, hey, Scott, you don't really want what you deserve. Oh, yes, you're right. In fact, by one sin, the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. That's what we deserve if we've ever blown perfection. How many of y'all ever blown perfection? Anybody here blown perfection? Those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just blew it by lying. I'm just saying. <laughs> you blew it. You blew perfection. God expects perfection. He created you. He gets to tell you how it goes down, what happens, what doesn't happen. He made you. And he said, I expect perfection. I expect you to follow my rules. And the only way we can love him is by doing what he wants us to do. That's the only way we can show we love him. But he knows we're not going to be perfect. That's why he came down. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, came down, planned before the beginning of time came down and became the sacrifice, lived a perfect life, paid the price for our sins, and on the cross what he did. Stephen, you messed up. You blown perfection. Oh, has Stephen messed up? Okay, how about her? She messed up? Well, we'll pick on her. Yeah, we'll pick on you. He took your imperfect life. You had your imperfect life hanging on a, 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 a hanger in your closet, right, walking around with it. You turn that uniform into Christ, and on the cross, he took that imperfect life and the penalty. How many of you ever got in trouble for something? You had a penalty that you had to pay for something. Christ paid the real penalty of God's wrath 
for that sin that you already think you paid a little penalty for. And he did it for everyone you never paid a penalty for. He paid for all of our past, present, and future sins. He took your unrighteous garment, your unrighteous life, and had it put on him and took the penalty of God's wrath. And then he took his I got to move back here. He took his perfect garment of perfection and handed it to you. And eternally, that's what you have, is Christ's garment. He, he chained garments with you. And now when God looks at you, if you have given your life to Christ, if you are his, you have his perfection instead. So let be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. You didn't get what you deserved. You got grace. Grace is more than what you deserve. You got his perfection. He has caused us to be born again. Y'all remember, if you've been in here worshiping with us, we've talked in John chapter 3 about Nicodemus. He, was, he came to Jesus and, and said, Man, you know what, Jesus? We, we know you're from God. He didn't say you were God. In fact, Pharisees and them didn't even think that the Messiah was going to be God. Thought he was just going to be some religious leader. And we know you come from God. Don't think you are God, but we know you came from God. Jesus said, Be quiet, Nicodemus. You need to be born again. Well, I'm born a Jew. I'm, I'm a leader of the Jews, and Jews are saved. Said, no, your first birth is not good enough. You need to be born spiritually. That which is flesh is flesh. That's what spirit is spirit. And to get in and experience heaven, you've got to be born spiritually. How many of y'all have been born physically? <laughs> All right. And, and you've been born physically. You were there. But then the big question is, have you been born spiritually? And the way you're born spiritually is when God lets you know you need to be born spiritually. You have sin that needs to be paid for that you can't pay for. And, and he paid for it. And you have the faith to believe that. And he says that if, if, if you will surrender, you will believe. In fact, John 3.16, later in that chapter. You guys know the verse, John 3.16, God help me out. Love the world that he, and whoever does what? believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life in our in our language that word believe is such a mamby pamby word it's like yeah i believe in him i believe that happened i believe no 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 this word believe it came from a greek word they they saw a dude leaning on a crutch one day and, and they're like we need a word for this he's leaning on a crutch if if, if i'm leaning on this right here how, how much of my weight is on here all of it if this cooler gave out what's going to happen to me i'm believing in this aren't i some and, and this is a yeti cooler some of y'all believing in some flimsy cheapy chairs y'all got right there how many y'all check that chair out before you got in it you just plop right down you're putting all your faith and trust in that chair at this point in time that's what that word believes god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. You're not going to rot like, a, like an Easter egg. That's what perishing. These eggs are going to perish. You're not going to perish, but you're going to have everlasting life. But you've got to, at some point in time, say, Jesus, I believe that, that what you did for me on the cross paid for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead, and, and I can have that resurrection power living in me through you. So I believe that's true. I believe that's the only way I'm getting to heaven. But I, if I believe that I'm going to do whatever you want me to do, I'm going to now live for you. I'm exchange, you want to exchange your life with me? I'm going to exchange my life with you. I'm giving you my life, and you're giving me your life. 
and we have to put our faith in him. That's what he was trying to tell Nemus in that whole thing. So it must be God, uh, uh, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again. Listen to this. If y'all sang that song, you heard this. Ashley, where's Ashley at? That's why I started crying because God gave me this about 2 o'clock this morning. Man, I'm like, oh, God, there, I, I, this has got to be from you. That's my job. i got to speak on your behalf, and I sure thought I had something else. And, and when y'all sing, it happens to us all the time. God gives them music, and as they're doing it, it coincides with what God's given me for the message. Man, living hope. <laughs> Did y'all mention living hope? Yeah, a bunch of times, right? How many of y'all sang living hope, right? Well, this is where it comes from. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope. Not a circumstantial hope. That's what most people are living, a circumstantial hope. If this works out, I hope this works out, so I hope this all happens. Man, he's giving us a living hope, and we have eternal life. And when we're walking with him, man, we know that all things work together for good to them who love us. Uh, to them who love him and are called according to his purpose. We know that we're going to be like him. We know that everything comes into our life by his design. And it's for our good and it's for his glory. Every, yeah, driftwood, that's the name of the church. Y'all ever seen driftwood? How many of y'all have a piece of driftwood hanging out in your house right now? Oh, I'm, we have this live, man. And FWC is going to see that you cut that driftwood down. You're busted now. No, I'm messing with you. But, but you know what I'm saying? A drip, piece of driftwood's beautiful, right? How many of y'all just have like a nominal two-by-four that bought at Home Depot and you put that right center on the mantle? Oh, look at this beautiful two-by-four. It's crooked and has knots. And, and, and yeah, you don't know. It's not beautiful. What makes that driftwood beautiful? The wind, the water, the waves, everything is there to destroy it. But instead of destroying it, it makes it more beautiful. And that's what the Christian life lived through resurrection power is. Amen? Anything that comes into our life, it has to get God's permission first. We have a living hope. God's putting it in our life to, to, to make us more like him when we make the right choices. We become like him. And, and look at the person next to you. If that person ended up looking like God, who would get the credit, them or God? I'm just saying, you're like, yeah, dude, if that person looked like, acted like God, God's getting glory for that. And that's true with every one of us. God gets the glory. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, a hope that grows every day, a hope to know that he could come back at any point in time, a hope to know that when we're done here, we have a perfect eternity, no more sin, no more suffering. Anybody looking forward to that? Check this out, man. 100 grains of dirt right here. Hey, you want to count this for me? You're, you're good at count. 100 grains. You just going to believe me that's 100 grains? If each of these grains represented one, grain, one year of life, eternity is not even represented by all the grains of sand on all the beaches in the universe and on the floorboard of your car if you live at the beach. It's not even represented. We're complaining, we're whining, we're living for this. Quit living for Easter eggs, man. Live for eternity. This is Easter eggs, dude. This is nothing. And so he said, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I'm just going to give you one more verse, man, because this is important. This is what you have. These Easter eggs, Ethan, what's going to happen to these Easter eggs? By next week, what's going to happen to them? 
Yeah, I was thinking I'd bring them out on the boat maybe in two weeks. I bring them out on the boat on two weeks on a Thursday, nice 100-degree day out on the sandbar. Open. I won't even put them in a cooler. I'll put them in Ziploc baggies, and we'll just, you want me to peel them first, Ethan? And we'll put them out there, and you guys, all you kids, eat them, right? Is that what you want to do? You're just going to waste my eggs, huh? Yeah, because they're going to be rotten. They're going to be spoiled. They're going to be no good. I want you to know what you do have when you invest eternally. Listen to verse 4. He says, to an inheritance. Anybody here ever get an inheritance? You know what inheritance is? It's what you get when somebody dies and they leave to you. Now, hopefully it's a rich uncle, right? Is that what you're working? You know, it's like, you know, my kids are getting cast iron, right? Cast iron and, and, and knife collections and stuff like that, right? And they're like, woohoo, yeah. <laughs> it's like 1916 canned goods, I'm just saying. <laughs> But if you have a rich uncle, dude, oh my goodness, you're like, you're coming to hear what you're going to get in that will, aren't you? You ain't missing that meeting, are you? But you got somebody better than a rich uncle. You got a rich Jesus Christ, a rich father in heaven that owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And you inherit what Christ inherits. He says, to an inheritance that is imperishable. Hey, are these eggs, these Easter eggs imperishable? No, they, they can lose texture <laughs> that's a gross thing to think about the egg losing texture man it, it starts falling apart it's getting nasty your inheritance is never going to lose value man it's undefiled it it can't lose value it can't lose form uh and uh he goes on and tells us and it's unfading it can't it, it can't ever get old so your inheritance in christ unlike these easter eggs Man, it can't lose value and it can't get old. It's going to be perfect. In fact, it gets better and better and better. And look at this. And it's, it's all of that. And guess where the vault is? Do you think God's, hey, Yeroon, you think God's keeping your imperishable inheritance in a Yeti cooler? You think it's in a Yeti cooler? No, no, dude. Where's God keeping your inheritance, y'all? Where's the vault? Where's the safe? Yeah, where's it at? It's in heaven. That's what he's saying. Man, your inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who's going to, uh, you heard of bank robberies, right? Tiny bank robberies, you heard of them? You ever heard of a heaven robbery? No, dude, nobody's stealing it. It's yours. God puts it there in that. He says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in you in the last time. Let me share this with you and we'll end. So here's the salvation that's gonna be brought to you at the end time. You come into this world and you are lost. You come to this world, you're not born again. You come to this world, you have no desire for God. Wait a minute, my mom took me to church when in utero. I've been going to church my whole life before I even came. Now, you don't have a desire for God. If you have a desire for God, the word of God says it's a selfish desire. It's not a desire to glorify him and please him. You're just doing it because it's good for you. They're going to give you a daggone popsicle in the kids' ministry, right? Anybody ever go for a popsicle? <laughs> I used to get on a bus when I was a kid, and I would get on a bus and go to a church on the bus, get a popsicle, and as soon as we got to church and lined up to go inside, guess what I did? Dude, I ran home. <laughs> I got to be youth pastor of that church one day later, <laughs> the irony and all of that. But I'm just saying, man, if you're into God for any reason before you're saved, it's for you. 
You're just saying, well, it's cultural, it's pop, it's going to work out for you. But at some point in time, if you get saved, God gives you the desire and ability to realize you're a sinner and that you cannot save yourself. When you die, none of us die. None of us die. What happens is we change addresses. And the Word of God says that only two addresses are heaven or hell. Those are the addresses forever. And you, that, that becomes real. God makes that real for you. And you're like, well, man, what, what can I do to go to heaven? What can I do? And, and God says nothing. You can't do anything because Christ has already done it. What you have to do is you have to believe it. And God gives you faith to be able to believe that, to believe the gospel that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. And he has the power to raise you from the dead. If you don't have the ability to believe it, it's because, right, you can't muster it up in your own strength. God has to give you the ability to believe it. And when God does give you the ability to believe it, you got to jump on it because today that ability is going to be there forever. In fact, he told Nicodemus, it's like the wind. He said, you don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. And so if you have that desire right now, man, you got to jump on it. Let me just throw this out to you. But I don't know if I'm going to like it. I don't know what's happening. How many of you who've given your life to Christ know exactly what's going on next? <laughs> no, because it's faith. But let me ask you a question. How many of you who've given your life to Christ are sorry that you did it? You're like, man, I got tricked into this by some preacher. Now I'm in this and I'm in it for eternity. And it's the most horrible thing I've ever experienced. Let me see your hand if that's you. No? How many of you, like me, wish you had done it sooner? Can I see your hand? So if you're looking around right now, we live by faith. We don't have a clue what's next. I don't even want to have to try to figure out what's next. You know what I want to do? I want to, I want to follow the one who does know what's next and is going to empower me to be able to handle it, to make me like a beautiful piece of driftwood. Don't I look like a beautiful piece of driftwood? Well, a fat one, but I'm just saying. Look, man, he, at some point, if you're born again, it's because he's given you the desire and ability to follow him, to say, I give up. I don't want to be the boss anymore. I want you to be the boss of my life. And you let him be the boss. That is called salvation. That's this point in time right here. But now, between that point, he doesn't take you right to heaven normally. That would be pretty cool if he took you right to heaven. How many of y'all would like to just go to heaven right after? Yeah. Dude, that would be awesome, wouldn't it, Carrie? Yes, but you know what? Uh, uh, again, y'all were an integral part of starting this church on the beach. You guys used to bring the cooler and all. This church wouldn't exist if, if he took heaven right away because y'all were an integral part of even starting this church. So he kept you here. For no other reason, it was that. And you may be like going, oh my goodness, I got to answer to God for this. No, but I think he'll be okay with it. But the point is, is it would, it, 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 he keeps us here. And there's a process called sanctification, whereby he's trying to make us look like him. And when we make the right decisions through the resurrected power that's in us, and we look like him, who gets the glory, us or him? He does. So he's glorified. People get to see what it looks like when they can have peace in the middle of the most unpeaceful situation when they can have joy in the most horrible situation, when that they can have love in, in the worst situation, when you can have love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, in spite of your circumstances, people are like, man, you know what? There's something different about that. 
and you can invite them to God. That's what sanctification is. But one day, he says, to finish this salvation, there's going to be glorification. Tara, you see Chris right there? Can you believe this? He's going to look just like God. Man, is that crazy? He's going to look, and Tara's going to look like God. Well, wait, you're saying, well, Chris and Tara don't look anything alike. How many of y'all are glad God's not talking about a physical look? How many of y'all want to look like Tara when you wake up in the morning? I'm talking about you guys. Now, <laughs> girls maybe. But it's an internal look. We're going to be just like him. That's the promise. That's our predestination. That's the final destination that we're going to be like God and we're going to be in heaven forever. And heaven is a long time. So my point to you today, guys, as ridiculous as that illustration was, I really am not trading my truck for some eggs. I really did not empty the bank account. Because if I did that, my wife would already know and I'd be dead and would not have preached today. <laughs> I, I, I really didn't do all of that. But I had to think from 2 o'clock in the morning until about 4 this morning, I was thinking, how many things in my life are like eggs that I invest in? They're just things I want, things I do, things that aren't going to mean anything in eternity. When in reality, everything that he brings into my life is there to make me more like him. And it's there to bring him glory. And if you're born again, that's what you want to do is bring him glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for teaching us about what the resurrection power is for, how we can surrender being boss to our life and let you be the boss, having no idea what's next except for heaven. No idea what's next here, but we know we can trust you because you love us. We know that you have the power to give us, to pull off anything that you want us to be a part of. There's no resources, there's no, no nothing that we need except for you. Like the woman at the well who tried marriage five times to find her satisfaction, gave up and started living with some dude and wasn't finding satisfaction there. She found true faction in use living water. If I pray that if there's somebody here that's never given their life to Christ, they don't know they're going to heaven when they die. Father, I pray you'd give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you. But Father, I pray for those of us that do know that we would quit investing in Easter eggs. You would show us the Easter eggs. Maybe, maybe there are things you do want us to have, but you want us to use them differently. Father, I don't know, but your Holy Spirit does, and your Holy Spirit can work in each of us. And I pray that he does. So the Father, we quit investing in Easter eggs and we'd invest in eternity. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the hope that one day we will be glorified and we will be just like you and we will be in heaven and we will be there forever. We want everybody to come with us. So Father, um, help us act like that. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. At Driftwood, we don't say amen, we throw up a shaka and we go, yeah, that's our amen, all right? So God bless y'all. Don't invest in Easter eggs, man. Invest in eternity. And uh, nobody steal my Easter eggs, all right? <laughs> Nothing I'll trust y'all. But anyways, after this song, we're going to have some baptisms. I know you're getting baptized, right? Yeah. All right, cool. And uh, got a few other. Dustin's going to help me baptize his girlfriend, Bree, right? We good with that? All right, good, good. And uh, anyways, anyone else desiring to get baptized, to just make public that profession of faith meet me down there all right y'all get up let's sing <laughs>